Okay, so um, I had a friend of mine who uh, was dealing with uh, a situation um, trying to get a job, and uh, every time he he wasn't able to get it because he wasn't uh, willing to um he wasn't willing to um get the card for the job the card and uh, he was having a hard time and uh this is what I wanted to um talk about uh I wanted to basically talk about uh, some an article that basically uh, could be a hope of an encouragement for him, you know, as well as everybody else who's having problems, all right, in this particular area of life, in their uh, walk. Okay, so here's the article, having faith during a financial crisis, tough times to force us to ask some deep questions, whether you believe in God or not, you've got to at least admit that you don't have all the answers, we need guidance and hope that that's bigger than ourselves, faith is essential at all times, but it's really important to rely on faith in difficult and trying times, faith reminds us that God is in control, and we need to rely on him to see us through even when the path ahead is dark, unsteady, and he's steady and ready, willing, and able to sustain us through anything. What does the Bible have to say about economic hardship, having the five principles of tr- for trusting God with your money? All right, number one, take your fear and anxiety to God. He can handle it. All of us are fighting fear these days. Maybe you feel being buried with anxiety and the moment you open your eyes in the morning, will my loved ones get sick? Will I make ends meet after losing my job? Will the economy recover? Some of us entertain those thoughts and start to spiral and others of us take the ostrich approach, burying our head in the sand and waiting until it's over. But there's the third way to deal with fear and it's the best one. Hand off your anxieties to God. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Psalm chapter 46, verses 1 to 2. The first thing we need to get straight is this. God cares deeply about our suffering, and he invites us to cast our burdens on him. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Did you catch that? God's not far away, kicking his feet up and some heavenly foot still shaking his head and hoping that it works out for us. He is near to those who are broken and confused. He wants to take your anxiety from you. The question is, are you allowing him to lift your burden? You can trade your fears of God's your fears for God's peace if you're willing to lay out your request to him. Philippians chapter 4 verses 6 to 7. His peace is powerful. It's the only thing that will truly loosen your tight chest when you feel you can't take another breath. Instead of 
white knuckling your way through an anxiety and playing out millions of scenarios in your mind. Let it go. Lay your request before God and feel him lift that heavy load off your back. Take your worries to God. He's big enough to handle them. Two, trust God with your money. He owns it anyway. There's an old timely word that we want to introduce to you, stewardship. It basically means that you're entrusted to take care of something that belongs to someone else. Managing a team of people or resources at work is an example of stewardship because you've got something, you got someone to answer to. Can you see where we're heading with this? Yep. You're a steward of money and resources that God's given you. Now, of course, you must take personal responsibility and work hard. In fact, because God has trusted you with a job, you better take it seriously. But at the end of the day, you're able to earn money and build wealth is given to you by God. As we see in the verse, you may say to yourself, my power and strength on my hands have produced this wealth. But remember the Lord, your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 17. You can trust God with the money he's given you because he's the real owner of everything under the sun. He's the ultimate source of security. As 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 says, you shouldn't put your hope in wealth, but instead hope in God who richly provides us with everything and our enjoyment. All right, three, recognize your dependence on God. So if God made and owns everything, John chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, and he entrusts us as his stewards, then you must, then that means we can depend on him to provide. So we have to ask ourselves, do I believe that he is good? Will he take care of me? He take. Let's take a look at this message from Matthew that Jesus taught his followers in one of his most famous sermons. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store any away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than them? Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 27. We want you to do something. Look outside your window. Hopefully, you live in a place where you can see the birds and hear the singing. They seem to be doing okay, don't they? Not a single one of those birds is watching in fear of the Dow plummets. None of them are stocking up on toilet paper and hand sanitizer. We know this sounds ridiculous, but hear, hear us on this. They're just birds. You're a human being who was carefully made in the divine image of God. Don't you think he cares about you than the sparrows and the blue jays? God isn't worried about supply chains and economic downturns. He feeds the birds day in, day out, and you better believe he'll take care of his children too. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, that's the thing. We have to trust in God. It's not easy, and it's a choice. God will never force our... He'll never force his will on you. He'll leave you with a choice. If you feel he could do better on your own, fine. Um... But there's always a chance that, you know, you don't know what's going to turn out, how things are going to turn out if you do things on your own. It's up to you whether you want to trust God. Okay. There are um, many people taking things into their own hands. Okay. And they are uh, choosing to do 
things, unscrupulous things to make ends meet. Once again, that's their choice. Okay? That is their choice. Whether they want to uh, trust God or not. Okay? Practice contentment in both good and bad situations. This is a hard one. This is a hard one. And not everybody's going to do it. Not everybody's going to do it. Have you ever told an old joke, you'll never see a Yule Hall behind a hearse? You can't take your stuff with you when you go. It's tempting to work like crazy to keep up with the Joneses, piling up stuff and chasing down the next purchase. Bible warns us against the temptation to hoard our wealth and instead encouraged to be rich towards God. Luke chapter 12, verse 21. This means that we use everything in our life, including our money, to honor God. Trusting God's provisions leads to contentment. Being grateful for what we have. This instead appears all over the Bible. Today, this verse is in Job. For example, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord taketh away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Job chapter 1, verse 21. When you place your trust in God and what he provides, you're free to con- to be content with what you have right now. It helps you loosen your grip on your assets. Contentment is an incredible important habit to practice when times are good and when times are bad. Gratitude changes your perspective because it shifts your focus from what you don't have to what you do have. Some of us, you know, um, we have homes, okay? And, you know, you may, I'll say this, you may live, um, you, you may live with your family, but you're not homeless, you're not in a shelter. We have to share a room with a bunch of other strange people that you don't know. That you may have to fend off just to keep your stuff from being stolen. Or worry about being murdered. Okay, you got to worry about that. that. At least you may you may not have the job you want in this time, but at least you have a job and it keeps you from being homeless. You're still able to buy, to buy food, even though it may not be the food that you want. But it's at least you're alive. At least you have medical insurance. At least you have people in your family to take care of you. And you could help them out in return. Okay. Some of you, you know, you may, due to this uh, pandemic, this economic downturn, you may still have your spouse and your kids. How many people have divorced due to this pandemic? Because it was hard for them to find jobs, you know? Okay, even in these blue states, okay, in liberal states, <clears throat> people have had a very hard time trying to find find work. Okay, and people have lost their families over that. Some women have turned to, um, some women have turned turned to uh, seedy uh, behavior. Okay, I remember you know reading the New York Post. One in every five women has considered or is doing, this is in the New York Post, considered to be doing OnlyFans. Okay? Considering doing sex work. These are women who went to college, have degrees, and become because times are tough, they just go in, they just lose all their morals. For those of us who have God, you know, we have something to anchor us down to keep us from doing something like that. 
this could be an opportunity to even start be an entrepreneur, to find a way to do something, to be creative, to, to, to tap into parts of your mind that you never knew before. I mean, talents that you didn't know you had. You may be a good writer. You may be a good blogger. You know, talking about things about God, or you may be a good mechanic. All right. You like to fix cars, but now you could open up a little car service. Or you could do Uber, something. All right. I have uh, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well fed or hungry, whether living plenty or in want. I do all this through him who gives me strength. Philippians chapter four, verses twelve to thirteen. Our relationship with God sets you free from worry and comparison. You just take it one day at a time. In times of abundance and crisis, contentment is the key to exploring joy and gratitude. Number five, be generous to others just as God has been to you. This is where it gets fun. If you're applying the first four principles we talked about, then you'll be free to enjoy your money without being controlled by it. <clears throat> Excuse me. You'll also recognize God's outrageous generosity and more and more, and you want to treat others the same way. If you have kids, think back to a time when you had a special gift for them. Maybe you surprised them with a puppy on Christmas morning or finally brought them their first iPhone. Most parents, even though not perfect, want to do their best and take care of their children. We find great joy in seeing their faces light up when they get something they've been asking for. And you know what? God has the same generous heart towards his children. He gives good things to those who ask for them, and he may, he delights in our joy. Matthew chapter 7, verses 9 to 12. Key word, his children, his children, Christians, okay? All right? Generosity is contagious. When you receive something good, it's natural response to overflow onto others. Being generous is a powerful antidote to fear. Because it forces you to get your focus off your own needs. It forces you to put your money where your mouth is. This is how we know what is love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for others. For our brothers and sisters. Dear children. Let us not love with word or speech. But with action and in truth. 1 John chapter 3 verses 16 to 18. Now. Um. Look at this. All this is for the Christians. You don't see this for the Buddhists, okay? You don't see this for the agnostic. You don't see this for the um, the Catholic. You see this for the Christians, okay? You don't see this for the Muslims. This is for the Christians, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who provides for his people, okay? God notices when we give, and he's Pleased by our generosity, Matthew chapter 6, verses 2 to 4. And if you're short on cash, that's okay. There are endless possibilities for how to be generous with your time and your talents and your friendship. Does God care about our suffering? Loss is painful. It's real. We cannot make sense of all the evil in this world. And it's very human response to ask, where is God in all of this? Why doesn't he do something? But if you know... If you want to know where God is in the midst of suffering, all you have to do is picture Jesus on the cross. If you're wondering why Jesus doesn't do something, to remember, then remember the work he accomplished to conquer death and to bring us hope. He's well acquainted with loss and pain. He took it upon himself to come to earth and share in all the same brokenness. 
we um, experience. And because of the mission he accomplished, we can place our trust in him and have hope and that he can heal our disease and restore our fortunes. Even in darkness, God promised to deliver his people and protect them and ultimately prosper them. We can trust that he will do the same for us. As Ramsey says, remember, there's ultimately only one way to financial peace, and that's to walk daily with the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. It's not easy to walk with Christ. It comes with a price. It's a narrow road, and few that be that find it. You have to be looking for it. Okay, we've gone through some tough times recently, but you can find peace of mind by taking control of your money. That's why we're offering. All right, I'm not going to read this. Uh, well, yeah, I don't want to read this part because I don't want to get. Uh, I don't want to get um, any trouble with YouTube's guidelines. Um, this is basically what it is right here. Jesus never promised a easy life he never promised um he never promised that you will have uh that you will have uh you know a big cadillac and uh a mansion like mega preachers would tell you he the man went through ups and downs the man was lonely the man was scared the man felt all these emotions and he's able to be that high priest that he's not he's not the high priest that uh he he doesn't know what you're going through all right um let me put down the scripture for we have a high priest okay all right here we go let me put it up here on the screen Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Okay, so we don't have somebody who doesn't know what we're going through. Okay, he's pure. He's personified. Okay. Um, he is perfection. Okay. He's truth incarnate. And he's been through everything to know what it's like to be human. So when we call out to him, he, he, he can help us. He can give us a way out if we choose to, um, if we choose to take uh, take him on. Okay, that's the thing. God will never again. God will never force His will on you. Okay, if we choose to do things our way, that's fine. If you choose to do things his way, that's fine. Book of Revelation talks about he who is holy, let him be holy still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. Okay? It's a choice whether we want to trust God or not. Okay. Hope you guys are blessed. All right. Fight to the finish.